Let's bow our heads for an opening prayer before we start studying the word. Heavenly Father, we are so thankful for this peaceful day, even for the cooler weather. You arrange everything for us so we would feel comfortable, we would feel blessed and uplifted and encouraged. So we want to pray that you would come close to us, talk to our hearts and minds, help us to change into your likeness. And please bless these few minutes we have left. And open our hearts and minds as we open your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you like questions? The answer would be, it depends. <laughs> Who is asking those questions? Try to imagine a driver who is in a hurry and he is speeding. And he is stopped by a policeman. And the police is uh, coming to his car door. Rolled out the, the window. And then he starts asking questions. Are you aware of how fast you were driving? Have you seen the road signs? Do you know that I can revoke your driver's license for reckless driving? And the questions continue on. Well, we don't really like that type of questions, do we? But um, it's interesting that in the Bible, especially in the New Testament, you will find many, many questions. And it seems to me that Jesus was very keen on asking difficult questions. Sometimes he combined his questions with parables. So I decided that because of our way of thinking, God is giving us some lessons through those questions. And it is somehow related to Linda's lectures, because I chose the title, What Do You Think? And this title is taken from the Bible, from the Gospel of Matthew. So please turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, where we find something, a very special context. It is not simply a parable, but it is a dialogue or a discussion between Jesus and some of the Jewish leaders who were asking questions. And interestingly enough, in the response, Jesus was asking other type of questions. Have you ever experienced that when you ask a question and then the response was another question? Have you ever experienced that? That you were asking something and the person was responding by asking questions. Sometimes it disturbs us. But let's, let's look at this interesting story. 
And this is Matthew chapter 21, and I'm reading from verse 23 all the way to 32. This contains the parable in the middle and then a short introduction, a, a discussion between Jesus and some of the leaders, and then it is concluded by another dialogue or discussion. So this is Matthew chapter, uh, chapter 21 and verse 23. Now when he came into the temple, the chief priests and the elders of the people confronted him as he was teaching and said, and these are the questions, by what authority are you doing these things? And who gave you this authority? But Jesus answered and said to them, I also will ask you one thing, which if you tell me, I likewise will tell you by what authority I do these things. And then his questions came. The baptism of John, where was it from? From heaven or from men? That was the short introduction and look at the response. And they reasoned among themselves saying, if we say from heaven, he will say to us, that's another question. Why then did you not believe him? But if we say from man, we fear the multitude, for all count John as a prophet. So they answered Jesus and said, we do not know. That was not a true statement. That was a false statement. And he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. No answer? No answer. But it's not the end of the story. That's the interesting part. <coughs> Verse 28 says, and that's another question. But what do you think? This is the title of my sermon. What do you think? And then the story comes. A man had two sons and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. He answered and said, I will not. But afterward, he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and said likewise, and he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Another question. Which of the two did the will of his father? They said to him, the first. Jesus said to them, Assuredly, I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots enter the kingdom of God before you. 
For John came to you in the way of righteousness. And you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent or regret it and believe him. Very interesting dialogue with a parable. Very short parable. And it seems that Matthew is focusing on one key term. And this is righteousness. Or to be righteous. You are reading my mind. Thank you. <laughs> Very nice. Thank you. Is there a spiritual gift? That type? <laughs> reading somebody's mind? And of course, we can say from the very beginning that Jesus could read their mind. Jesus did not have to ask questions, and he did not have to listen to answers. But still, he was willing to engage in a discussion with people. And you know, every service, every worship is a dialogue between God and us. And God is asking questions. Of course, in this situation, it started with questions coming from those people who had the power. And if you look at the story before this, Matthew recorded that Jesus cleansed the temple. Some people did not like it. And they were kind of drawing back for a little bit in order to gain strength. And when they felt they are ready, they were asking questions. Who gave you this authority? Why do you do this? On, on what authority are you preaching? How dare you are to cleanse the temple? Who do you think you are? There were many, many questions behind these two. And it's interesting that Jesus chose to ask questions as a response. He could have responded right away to those questions. And Ellen White, in the book of Christ's Object Lessons, uh, clearly explains that they knew enough about Jesus to decide by what authority was he doing what he was doing? But the purpose was not to know the real answer. Because in their mind, they already plotted against Jesus. And they decided that we would need to get rid of this man. He is making so much trouble for us. So they thought one thing and they were asking something different. 
Sometimes we try to hide behind our questions. And those questions don't serve the purpose of getting something or understanding something, but hiding our own sometimes no good intentions. So they knew who Jesus was because he gave them enough evidence. But they just wanted to catch him by his words. Try to find something in his responses that they could accuse him, condemn him, and kill him. And Jesus knew what was really going on in their minds. And so he decided to ask a question. Instead of giving a response, he, <clears throat> he said, the baptism of John, where was it from? Is it from heaven or from man? And it's interesting how the Bible by inspiration of the Bible writer, by inspiration, puts this next sentence. It says that they reasoned among themselves. Do you think Jesus did not see those reasoning? He did not see those thoughts in their minds? I think he did. But they were reasoning, they, uh, they were trying to hide their real intention. And to me, it's amazing how patient Jesus was with them. So they reasoned. If you say this, it's from heaven, then we expect another question from Jesus. Why didn't you believe? But if you say, well, John was not from heaven, this was just a human message, then the crowd would turn against us. They reasoned among themselves. We don't want to take that risk because then we'll be stoned to death. What would you do in a situation like this? What would be your answer? Well, it seems to me that uh, they, they tried to walk in between two roads. And they gave an answer that was a lie. Have you ever experienced that? That somebody, when you asked a question, responded with a lie? Have you ever experienced that? It could happen if the person doesn't want to give you an answer. And that's exactly what they did. They reasoned. They said, this is no good. If you say yes, it's no good. If you say no, it's no good. So, the only way to go is, we don't know. 
And you know, sometimes people decide and choose to say, I don't know. Although everybody knows that they knew what to do, but they don't want to accept the evidence. Something is blocking in their mind to become honest. They stick to lies. And so they said, no, (laughs) sir, we, we don't know. And it brings something to my mind. There is another interesting story in the Gospel of John, chapter 9. If you know the Gospel of John, John recorded seven signs in his Gospel. And one of those seven signs was to heal a man born blind. And when it happened, it fell on the Sabbath day. So they were reasoning among themselves, what is really happening? Is it true that this man was blind and Jesus healed him? Some said, yes, this is the man. Uh, The others said, no, we we are not sure. And so they said, we don't know. We need to ask the man. So they asked the man. Who was the person who healed you? His answer answer was, I don't know. What I know is that I was blind. But now I see. So they chose not to believe that he was blind. Then they asked his parents. They said, yes, he is our son. He was blind, but how he is healed, we don't know. So this whole chapter is about knowing or not knowing. What about your thoughts? How do you respond to a question? When you know the answer, do you really say that's the answer? Or you would say, hmm, I'm not sure. And and sometimes we have this experience on on an everyday situation when we are kind of hesitant to say yes, but also hesitant to say no, so we would decide, we don't know. We just simply don't know. So the, the end of this part was, he said to them, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. While Jesus fulfilled his own promise. Because he said that if you tell me where John's baptism is from, I will tell you the answer. But if you don't give me the answer, 
I won't give you either. But the interesting point is that Jesus did not stop there. And I think that's the encouraging element in the whole story that Jesus was ready to continue. Although he knew that they were lying. Purposefully lying and telling him that we don't know. But Jesus is more interested in what do you think than rather what do you say. Sometimes he is more interesting in, interested in what we do than what we say. What do you think is more important, what we say or what we do? Well, his question was, what do you think? Jesus wanted to clean their way of thinking. So he said that the real trouble is that you don't know how you are thinking or what do you really think about things. But let me help you. And he told this very interesting story. It's a short story about a man who had two sons. And we know another story in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, when there was another man who had two sons. One was the good guy, the other was the prodigal son. But this is a different story. But the point is that this man had two sons. He came to the first, verse 28, Gone, son, go, work today in my vineyard. What was the answer? No. No, I will not go. But afterward, he regretted it and decided to go. What does that mean? He, he changed his mind or he thought twice. Sometimes it's good to think twice before we do anything. So when he regretted his answer, he said, well, although I said no, I will still go. The other was the good one. He said, yes, Immediately he said, yes, I will do that. But then he changed his mind. He didn't go. Jesus was testing this group of people. And he asked them, what do you think? Can you make the right decision now? What did they say? Which of the two did the will of his father? What was the answer? It's interesting that they changed their mind. They changed their mind. They said the first was the good one. Although he said no, but he changed his mind. 
And to me, this is very interesting because Jesus was helping them to think straight and to make the right judgments. And they did not realize that Jesus was really helping the way they were thinking. But of course, they, although they made the right decision, they did not accept Jesus. And something else, the story ends with something which is kind of sad. Although they made the right decision, they responded to Jesus in the right way. Jesus said to them, and this is verse 31, As surely I say to you, the tax collectors and harlots entered the kingdom of God before you. Well, that was a very straightforward statement. Tax collectors, prostitutes. And they went to the kingdom of God before them. How is it? They were law-abiding people. They knew what the law said. They kept the law as as far as, as possible. And this man had a feeling that if somebody can enter the kingdom of God, that would be us. Because we are the good ones. Tax collectors. Prostitutes. Sinners. Uh-uh. They would never enter the kingdom of God. And now Jesus is saying something the opposite. He's saying that those people whom you wrote off, they were rejected by the holy ones. They went before them. And then Jesus added one more sentence, and this is striking. You did not, John came, and you did not believe him. But tax collectors and harlots believed him. And when you saw it, you did not afterward relent or regret it and believe him. Is it possible that somebody is witnessing the repentance and forgiveness of another person and then he or she is still reluctant to admit that he, she should confess his or her own sins? And ask for forgiveness. So they witnessed the experience of others turning from evil to God. But they did not change their mind. Isn't that something amazing? How the human brain 
works. So what is the lesson? Is it good when we say we don't know? Although we really know? Are we hiding something in our minds by saying something different? And what is better to say something or to do something? Where sayings would not save us. I'd like to to turn to another story just finishing in a minute or two. Matthew 7. Matthew 7 is, is the end of the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, as we come to the end, Jesus said something, which is kind of linked to the, this story, which I just read. This is Matthew 7 and verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So who is entering the kingdom? It's not enough to say. Sometimes we try to satisfy ourselves by saying something. But we are not willing to do something. Saying is very easy. But there is a saying, (laughs) actions speak louder than words. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Then Jesus added something else in verses 24 and 25. Same chapter, Matthew 7. Therefore, he said, this is a conclusion of everything. He said, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended and floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Uh, sometimes we try to spiritualize this, this passage. And we say the rock is Jesus. Is Jesus talking about himself? Or is he talking about those who were listening to him? He was talking to those who were listening to him. He was not explaining his own mission. But he said, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. And since they still did not understand, he gave this story. Another parable, if you will. Whoever hears these things of mine and does them. 
it says, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. So the primary meaning of this parable is building on things what we do. We cannot build things on what we say. Because even the, the birds can take your words. Words, practically, especially in our age, would not guarantee anything. You can say one thing in the morning, you can say another thing in the evening, you can say one thing in an hour, but you can say the opposite in another hour. The only thing which would guarantee something solid is when we, when we act. We act upon what we say. They would seal the words and strengthen us in our way of thinking. And he would be where we would be like a person who is building his house on the rock. And of course, the secondary meaning of the story is that Jesus is the rock. But the primary meaning was not that. The primary meaning was those who were listening to Jesus simply satisfied their own hearts and minds, and they said, Lord, Lord, we love you. We accept you. We, we believe in you. We are ready to do things. But when it came to actions, they, they drew back. So we need to learn at least one lesson, not our words but our actions would really determine who we are. And this is why God will have a judgment at the end to really determine who we are <laughs> because what we say is one thing, what we do could be the opposite. Because in the story, one said yes. He did the opposite. The other said no. Well, he did the opposite. And so the question is, how do you think? Your mind works. What do you think? And of course, there is a secondary question. What do you do? So I'd like to leave this question with you. And by God's grace, we will study other parts of the Gospels, maybe Mark and Luke and John, because it is very interesting that... Um, Matthew was <clears throat> so much interested in righteousness that he tied this term even to this 
discussion. And he said, John came in the way of righteousness. And they did not believe him. But if you turn to Matthew next time, there will be a different question. We turn to Luke next time, or John, there will be different settings. But the point is that by asking questions, Jesus wanted to strengthen their sense of righteousness in making right judgments. So may God bless us when we think and when we do things. Amen.